0: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we
0: founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Bombas.
3: Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two movies with something in common go head-to-head to to see which one does it better. On this episode, in the red corner, it's filmmaking legend John Carpenter's 1974 sci-fi debut, those spaced-out spacemen of Dark Star.
4: 20 years in space, 1 million light-years from Earth. Dark Star.
3: And in the blue corner, from 1999... Tough competition as Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman head into the cosmos on a galaxy quest.
0: DreamWorks Pictures presents Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman,
3: Galaxy Quest. You're just going to have to kill it.
1: We'll go for the mouth the throw
3: his vulnerable spots. It's a rocket it that doesn't have any vulnerable spots. So what connects these films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Hello fight fans and welcome to Clash of the Titles. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Chris Tilly. So we have two movies, Dark Star from 1974 and Galaxy Quest from 1999 going head to head. Victoria, you picked these movies so I guess we got to work out the connection. Chris, do you want to start? I mean I could start but I feel like I've got an unfair advantage this week. What?
5: because Vicky asked me to print out her notes <laughs> and write the top of her notes. I oh tried not God. to
2: look. I and was then... going to put you don't read them. I wasn't going to. But gonna. I do not want to patronise well. you.
3: Um, well, but advice all... there to everyone who didn't get the A-level grades they were hoping for, cheat. <laughs> but also, also having read them, I'm still not entirely clear. Oh, so funny. maybe, Alex, do you want to have a stab? Well, I mean, I'm hoping it's not as broad as I think it is, which is funny movies set in space. No. Oh, okay, great. Well, then I don't know, Chris. Do you want to? Why don't you ask me? Because well, you came up with the connection. We're trying to guess here. Okay. Oh. I mean, that is your first one, isn't it? What on your list of connections?
2: Have you? You literally have read them. Because
3: <laughs> the second one you've got. Wait, you got two down before you realised that maybe you shouldn't be reading it. You didn't just glance at it.
5: Well, no, because the second one, I had actually, I had actually made that connection myself. But equally, I thought this isn't. I didn't really I wasn't clear it's, how it Are you about to say I didn't think it was very good. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop speaking. Vicky, what are the Tell us the connection.
2: Okay, three things. Don't interrupt. <laughs> Don't read my notes. Don't send them to me. Get a printer. <laughs> they are. They are sci-fi spoofs largely set on spaceships actually. But wait, wait before you <laughs> look at me like that. And um, if not spoof, because I don't want the fury of our listeners because I know they're both massive <laughs> fans of sci-fi.
1: <laughs> um, let's say
2: um, they're heavily indebted to uh, Space Odyssey and Star Trek and there's a through line between them. So the writer of Dark Star wrote Alien, which made a star of Sigourney Weaver, ultimately leading her to being Galaxy Quest, where she plays very much against type, her type being our Queen Ripley. Um, and that reversal is obviously what makes Galaxy Quest in part so watchable. And the other connection is, well, not connection, but something to have a think about with your brain.
3: Sorry, are you <laughs> nodding along because you've read this already? <laughs> no. No, read it on the I'm tube. Just, I'm just waiting to respond. I'm waiting for my right to reply.
2: So, Dark Star is basically a student film, and Galaxy Quest obviously is not basically a student film. And if sci-fi is about exploring the boundless possibilities and unavoidable limitations of what it means to be human, and I think comedy is a very brave way of navigating that, which does it better, having a shitload of money or having no money?
3: Can I just very quickly, before you... Fine, I'm done. you uh, don't already? I'm checking out. Oh, OK. I actually prefer... Funny movie set in space. (laughs) I was going to say, philosophical bouncers. Let's keep it tight. Let's keep it neat.
2: I'm actually really annoyed, so I'm just going to be quiet.
3: (laughs) Chris, you had Dark Star from 1974. We do it chronologically, so
5: kick us off. Okay. At uni, you spend at least one night getting stoned and talking about space, time, the universe, the meaning of life and the nature of existence. When John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon were at uni, they smoked some weed, had that chat and turned their thoughts into Dark Star a sci-fi flick about a homicidal beach ball and a talking bomb.
2: A brilliant film.
5: (laughs)
4: 20 years in space, one million light years from Earth, travel in an infinite universe with mind-melting excitement from beyond the stars. Dark star. They are not lost in space.
1: They're loose.
3: All right, then. Um, I'm going to say this. I tried to watch this about 20 years ago and I got about 10 minutes in. And this is the VHS that you own, Vicky, (laughs) because after 15 minutes, maybe I was like, no.
2: Yeah, because you were like, where are the monsters? I was like, wait, there is a monster. (laughs)
3: Because I was conditioned, even at that point, for movies to have a pace of some description, to, you know, have some sort of driving momentum. And this doesn't. And I hold my hands up now and go, I watched it this time. And the first 50 minutes, I felt exactly the same. I was like, for fuck's sake, Vicky. <laughs> And then, (laughs) at about the 15-minute mark, I got into its groove and I started to enjoy it. Because
2: you're all grown up now, right? so you can handle something that isn't instant gratification and then a massive monster jumps out and tries to bite your face.
3: Because I had to for this podcast. (laughs) I wouldn't choose to do anything that didn't give me instant gratification.
2: This is before smartphones, I don't know why your attention span was so short.
5: I had exactly (laughs) the same experience as Alex, except mine was about 30 years ago but I
2: Here we go <laughs> every week <laughs> pull up a chair
5: kids no because we actually we actually realised we both had this experience last week but we didn't tell you because it was all getting a bit heated in the pub after the mm-hmm. podcast
2: you did tell me yeah. but anyway
5: that's how <laughs> um, six pints will do Chris but no I mean there's a lot I think there is a lot to talk about however um, I certainly liked it a lot more this time but I think because not a huge amount happens in the film we can either approach this by talking about the story behind the film
3: or the film itself which one should we go into first? I think we have to talk about the story because for Mm. me, what makes this movie so much more enjoyable, if this was just a movie that had no backstory, I'd be like, "Mm, all right, it's a feature length student movie. But it is the story. It's about the filmmakers. It's about John Carpenter. It's about Dan O'Bannon. It's about what they did with a tiny budget. And it's about how a student film became a feature.
5: Yeah, I mean, the, the film is, what, about 85 minutes? And on the Blu-ray I bought, there's a documentary that's a, a lot longer than that.
3: Stop buying Blu-rays! <laughs> How much have you spent it's on
5: imp- the show? It's improving the show, though. I've got a lot to say now. All right. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, the two key figures are, uh, obviously, in the story, John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon are... Uh, John Carpenter, the director, Dan O'Bannon, the writer, but really this was a huge collaboration between the pair of them. Their roles sort of crossed over a lot to the point that once we get to the end of this behind-the-scenes story, they kind of broke up, basically.
3: Yeah, it's a tragic backstory between what happened with them because they were great friends. Dan O'Bannon really felt that they were going to go on and always be writer and director and swap roles. And then John Carpenter went... No, I don't like the fact that you undermine me as a director, so I don't think we can work together again and they
5: separate. yeah, it's darker than that, even because um it's Dana because obviously um Dana Bannon passed away a
3: few years ago. His wife is on this documentary, and she says that so they... tell us about this documentary first. Let there be light. It's brilliant. Yeah, and you should watch it. It's on YouTube, oh, is it? Yeah, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Did, 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 <laughs> did you? Why do I bother? Did you buy the Blu-ray for the documentary? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did, Alex. Hey, it's on YouTube. Enjoy it. It's the, great.
5: And
2: also the film is on YouTube.
5: Yeah, I know that. Oh, I just <laughs> wanted the documentary. But his wife uh, says that over the course of making this, because this took years to, to, to make this film, Three they discussed years. a bunch of other ideas that they were going to do together. And she says mm. those are the films that John Carpenter went off and did on his own. And he said, oh, she said, I won't say any more about that
3: but that's quite heartbreaking, really. Yeah, she really makes a point of going, and that's it, I'm done. I'm not saying any more. It's like, did they discuss while they were making this the idea of a new slasher movie? You
5: don't know. Well, he went on that incredible run straight after this. He did Assault on Precinct 13 straight away. Then it was Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing. I don't think there's many directors that have done a better run of films. And then after that, they're still pretty good. Christine, Starman, Big Trum, Little China. Do we want to do our top John Carpenter
3: movies, our top three? Have you got a top three? Vicky?
2: I do like Starman a lot <laughs> which I don't think you were expecting me to say but I do uh, no you were
3: were you yeah were? oh that's nice I go, on, kind of then. Yeah, go yeah. on then
2: the one with some heart and well, it doesn't matter
3: okay Stop doing stuff. I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm like, I th- is there some sort of thing? Did you have a Jeff Bridges thing?
2: Uh, No.
3: Okay. That's what I thought it <laughs> I was. I do
2: now, but I didn't then.
3: Yeah, he well, is so gorgeous now.
2: <laughs> he really is. Honestly,
3: I watch R.I.P.D. just for him. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you don't? No, you don't. No, you no don't. because
2: just anything with a spooky, supernatural anything, mm. apart from actually quite scary horror, which I'm not really into, but like uh, horror for kids, I really like.
3: Okay, like Goosebumps.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I'm just finding the level. So my number one movie, 1982, The Thing. My second movie is 1980, The Fog. And 1988's They Live brings up the rear. If we're doing top five, it's then Halloween and Escape from New York.
5: Yeah, I would would have the same, but I I would swap out
3: Halloween for The Fog. I would swap them around. Oh, yeah? Yeah. See, the reason The Fog's in there, because granted, I think Halloween is a more respected and enjoyable movie, but it was 1992, Halloween 1992. Did you ever have one of those halloween's where everything just coalesced into the perfect storm of terror like you watched exactly the right movies halloween 1992 i watched the bbc drama/reality slash oh my reality god, are you show i'm going to say ghostwatch i'm going to say oh ghostwatch oh my
2: god yeah 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 i know the person that made that really uh, yeah yeah
3: they uh, got everyone got the bbc got into trouble for that because they used what were basically children's TV presenters like Sarah Green so kids watched Mm -hmm. it and then they never until the very end in fact even at the very end only when it got silly and Parkinson's in that room and all the paper starts flying everywhere at that point you go hey, this might be a drama up until that point. you yeah. think it's a documentary. But the problem,
2: it's the classic. This is what happened to me with Alien as well. I wasn't allowed to watch up until that point because me and my sister were watching it and we had like a fun, we've got our bowl of skips. <laughs> like and I think we must have started screaming and I remember a parent comes flying in and is like, okay, that's enough. And it's
3: That oh, would it's, terrify me. Off the floor. <laughs> levitating. <laughs> Why are you doing <laughs> this? Why have we allowed you
2: to do this? <laughs> so they turned it off so we didn't find that out for a really long time. Oh shit so you actually I never got to real, the yeah. never
3: got to the end where they Aww, had credits
5: geez. like yep. written by uh-huh. you know now it's not real
2: <laughs> yeah but then when i met the person that wrote it and it was like a big like a, not a hero worship thing, and he's a really lovely person, but I still had some of that taint of like sheer mm. terror. Like, but it was you know I was at primary school, I think, so it's like it was the talk of the play. It was just one of those brilliant moments that are quite hard to replicate. Every nowadays.
3: Week. I'm younger than you guys. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Sorry, God, I was barely born actually. <laughs>
3: so I watched Ghost Watch, which I don't know if you can. You probably can find that somewhere. That is terrifying. Then I watched yeah. The Fog, and then I watched. The Crate, you know Creep Show, George Romero's mm-hmm. uh, compilation of horrors, short Stephen horrors, King. written by Stephen mm. King. Yeah, The Crate is the one with the baboon monster in. Mm-hmm. Scared the shit out of me. So, yeah, that was my best Halloween ever, which is why the fog's in there. John Carpenter's the fog. Sorry, it was around the house's <laughs> way to explain my top three Carpenter movies. Chris! So, uh, Dan O'Bannon
5: and John Carpenter met at the University of Southern California, which has an incredible um, film department and actually, they talk about it in that documentary. They, they say they were living in the year... Available on YouTube. <laughs> no, don't watch it legally. Buy the Blu-ray. Uh, they were living in the year AG3, they call it, which is three years after George Lucas. <laughs> oh, because right. he, he, he'd gone there, he'd made THX uh, 1138, which had had such an influence on them and was the student film that became a big hit. And they basically were of the opinion, if he can do it, why can't we? And so that's how Dark Star came um, about. How
2: many student films have you seen? Apart
3: from the ones we made at Goldsmiths. I was going to say,
2: yeah, before I start slagging them off, I'm guilty of a lot of these things that I'm about to you. But have you seen a lot of student films? Because no. I've seen a shitload of student films. Uh-huh. Why? Um, when Back in my... When I was an agent, I used to have to go to film school, okay. graduate things, and watch their films. And so I'm, te- I'm telling you now <laughs> I would have given a lot to have seen a film like this during that run of terrible films. And yet it
3: still has. Because I watched it, and I was like, it still has that thing that student films do have. The few I've seen, which is pacing. It's like, it feels very slow, and there's strange moments, like when the crew are all sitting together in their bedroom quarters, and Dan O'Bannon's doing the jokes where he pulls out the rubber chicken, yeah and it just feels so laboured. Yeah, it's baggy. Yeah, yeah. which I think a lot of student films have.
2: However, it gets points for not starting with someone waking up and going... (gasps) Like this, and I've written a short film like that, so i That's planning. the film
3: I did at uni. Are you having a go at me? The one that we shot in real time in the flat, where I wake up and there's a dead body next to me. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, oh yeah. The one I cast myself in. Oh, this is nasty. I, I forgot. Really? Because it felt like a personal attack that I'm not going to lie. It's a student film in which her. people start by waking up and it's my movie.
2: Yeah.
3: He's doing an impression you got axe and he's so angry. I know. That's which, again, is really so
2: rich because, once again, from basically the same. Please. <laughs> for the last time All right,
5: let's not talk about Alex's fake accent um, well and so the idea they came up with was basically truckers in space yes that's what they called it and so and yet
3: not a patch on the Dennis Hopper Stephen Dorff <laughs> movie space truckers with square pigs <laughs> and sex dolls is, that's is a terrible that movie no, I love terrible. I quite like it you know directed space truckers Stuart Gordon. Gordon yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgive him anything. Like, he can make Space Truckers, and I will find good in that movie, because he directed Robot Jocks, which is one of the most underrated movies of all time. And a movie that, if anyone is in the business who of getting remakes greenlit, Robot Jocks needs a 2019 update. It's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, t- t-
5: Truckers in Space, but I'll, I'll give you uh, a, beef sort of synopsis, a brief synopsis of it. Yeah. Um, From a magazine I bought the other day, bizarrely, it's quite funny you picked this, Vicky, because about a month ago, I bought an old magazine from 1978 at the BFI. And it was all reviews apart from one article, and it was John Carpenter talking about this film. And this is his synopsis as he wrote it in 1978. He says, Dark Star takes place in the mid-22nd century. Four men aboard an interstellar space cruiser at the rim of the universe must battle their technology gone mad and, at the same time, withstand the boredom and meaningless of the mission. One of their talking computerised bombs malfunctions, develops strange thought patterns and threatens to blow up inside the ship. So that's the basic overview of, of what they came up with in terms of a story that they could make on a very low-budget in the rooms and offices and stable that they had on the <laughs> campus at USC.
3: They had a stable?
5: Yeah, that's where some of it was uh, shot. In Are an you old... sure? Yeah, it's in the documentary that I you claim to have this, watched. I
3: watched the same documentary as you. There's no mention of a stable. There was an old stable on campus. So they used a broom closet at one point. Yes, yep. that's correct. Oh, I, I'm right on that. Okay, <laughs> but they used the stable
5: as well. So yeah, they shot, they shot it in chunks over, over years. Uh, basically, when they had money or equipment, they would go and shoot a little bit more. And by the end of that four years, they had a 45-minute long film.
3: What I like, I'll go back to the fact it was only 45 minutes long because I think that's where it gets really interesting when Mm. John and Dan fell out because of how they went on to distribute it. But before we get there, I do think John Carpenter puts it best where he says, when he looks back at his own movie, he goes, it's student roots show through too much for me to ever consider it one of my favourite films. So I don't think even he views it with... uh, Reverence that a lot of people do, and I came to it ignoring that reverence. And I think if you come to it going, "I've heard this is a cult classic," mm. you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, I think mm. that's
2: true. I didn't know anything about it the first time I watched it, and that's why it stuck with me as much as it did. Because... What was your experience of watching it the first time then? Oh well, uh, let's see. Um, I was a student, and um, I had um, <laughs> yeah some of the the benefits, the enhancements that come with being a student in a student flat in studenty times. Um, some of those enhancements that make you able to concentrate more fully. Enhancements? <laughs> yeah. It's such an on, odd um, term. We had this a ro- massive... <laughs> we had um, a massive bong that was the shape of oh, okay. someone's right. head. <laughs> and it was like um, a phrenology head, and it had all these bits coming out of it so we had some of that and then we watched Dark Star I thought it was incredible (laughs) like the single funniest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life but it
3: did tap into that absolute like hippie vibe at the time and like by all accounts when they started screening it like the hippies loved it of course they did and Dan O'Bannon and John Carpenter they thought we've got a hit on our hands and ultimately were quite disappointed when it went on to be distributed yeah. across the country and it didn't do anything. Yeah, People outside didn't of like
2: California, it. maybe it doesn't work yeah. as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, it,
5: it, it got... We'll, we'll get onto to the distribution, but it wasn't... It didn't get very widely uh, released. But then it did, over the next sort of five or six years, find an audience, ironically, on university campuses. So it's, it kind of came full circle. Because
2: it's the perfect combination. Like The pace is slow enough that you can just keep up with it, um, <laughs> but... If, when you get into the end it's like pow do we even exist and it's like whoa wait a minute let's talk about that for an hour and a half so that is a perfect student film yeah. in that way
3: I went to bed at that point I was like, <laughs> that's
2: because you're an idiot <laughs> you don't know what... when they were talking about Cartesian doubt you're just like you're off I
5: was 12 <laughs> straight over my head yep. uh, and so the four characters
3: are Little Boiler, Talbot and Pinback um, Boiler, I love Boiler. He has like three lines in it. He was a business major. His only credit today is Dark Star. That's so cool. And he does. Do you want to? Let's do weird connections then, because he does the knife trick in Yes, this, which I can do really, really well. Bullshit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it now, but I will do it in the pub.
2: That's a great idea.
3: <laughs>
4: but I can do Get that. A
3: knife trick. Knife, Vicky. <laughs> so Dan O'Bannon wrote Alien. Mm-hmm. And although he didn't write Aliens, that knife trick exists in Aliens done by Bishop on Hudson. That's not funny, man. <laughs> and so there's a connection there. That's my connection. Yeah, Boiler does the
5: knife trick. He smokes cigars, he shoots stuff, and he mainly trims his moustache.
2: Yeah. yeah. Because they've gone space crazy. They're so bored.
5: Let's talk about each of the characters briefly, though. Doolittle is, is from California, and he really misses the Malibu waves. And uh to
3: relieve his boredom, he builds and plays uh, a bottle organ. Mm-hmm. A scene that John Carpenter doesn't like, but again, they were trying to pad out the running time. To go back to what you were saying, it was 45 minutes long. It needed to be, you know, at least sort of 80 to pass as a feature. So they just added loads of stuff. Initially, the movie opened... With a sequence where it was all the spacemen asleep for about ten minutes snoring no. that John Carpenter put in, and he went to a guy called Jack Harris, whose big claim to fame was that he produced the Blob, the Steve McQueen version, and uh, and so he was like, "You can't open a movie like this. I'll give you some money."
2: It would make it more of a student film though if they all walk up.
3: <laughs> I argue that that film I made is bloody. It stands the test of time. I, that's oh. that needs another. A reboot, Another 85 minutes added. Yeah, to it. Yeah,
2: another 85 minutes and another £20 pounds and you've got yourself a film. Uh, yeah, first all round for us. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I dropped out shortly afterwards. <laughs> Not because of the film. I mean, I had the film. Once I'd made the film, it was a lot like Carpenter stealing. Get it out there, that's, that's what I mean.
2: Take it to market. Yeah. Go, run, make your fortune. Because that's
3: the funny bit, that John Carpenter basically, USC, the University of Southern California, they argued that any student film that was made, we own the copyright to Which it. Which
2: I think is fair enough. Do you? Yeah, because you're a student there. You probably signed something to that effect. You're using their facilities. I mean, you know, it makes
3: sense. I'm surprised to hear you, of all people, say that. You're like Fight the Man, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. Well,
2: Fight, fight, fight Men. You're getting confused. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yep. I was thinking of all men sort of coming together to form one giant man, like the end of Wreck-It Ralph 2.
2: Which is how it works. Actually.
3: But as you say, <laughs> you were, you didn't finish your story there. Sorry, yeah. So USC
5: owned the copyright to the film and these guys thought they had something and they couldn't; it was too long to enter into um, competitions on the student film circuit. So they just nicked it and ran. That's yeah. what that's what they say in the yeah. in the documentary. They Fight took the, the film and ran. Uh, they were worried that USC would sue, but eventually uh, the university sort of appreciated the fact that they potentially had a great advert for the university on their hands if this film came out. And and that's how it what came to be because uh, Harris told them that they they thirty minutes of the film was trash. Yep. but sixty minutes was good. So go away, shoot. Wait, 60 minutes and 30 minutes? 30 minutes to the 90 minutes was trash, but 60 minutes was good. I got so it wrong. Sorry, you got a
3: spreadsheet? I got <laughs> my maths wrong.
5: Okay. Um, and so, yeah, as you say, they had to come up with new stuff. And a lot of that new stuff involved Dana Bannon's character, really. Yeah. Pinback! Pinback, who is the Joker in the pack. He seems the most frustrated and angry on the ship. He just wants a happy ship. Um, he's the one that has, does video diaries that are very Big
3: Brother-like, I think. The bit that he added, the main bit that he added, is the beach ball with creature from the black lagoon. I think prop hands that they found, which is that which, they put on it,
5: and as that's feet. all twelve-year-old me remembers from this film. But I think it is the most famous thing from this film is that yeah. it's
3: got a beach ball alien because mm. it is very memorable, almost iconic. I remember you said to me last week when we were talking about why the hell Vicky had picked Darkstar and should we even do it or should we get rid of her? Mm, and Yeah, I remember that. That was five pints in, was it? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really
2: talking either. So...
3: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of when you said,
2: oh, I'm really pleased lot. you picked this, or oh, whatever you just said yeah. 10 minutes ago, it's like, what you should be more amazed is that I stuck with it. Like, on fr- Saturday morning, I woke up about five in the morning, like, essentially with night sweats, being like, I've just made a horrible, horrible mistake. And then I had to, like summon all of my Queen-like courage to be like, fuck those guys. I've made a decision and I'm going to have to go through with it no matter what.
3: I know, and that's why we've walked in today being all like, great, great choice, Vicky. Oh, rather <laughs> <laughs> rather than like that blue touch paper. Now, um, it is, uh, what were we saying? Oh yeah, so the, the beach ball alien, you said to me, yeah. you were like, oh, you know the the alien is a beach ball. So I was prepared to hate that moment because I never got that far. It's all I start. could really remember. I actually, I'm amazed how much personality they imbue in what is a beach ball. Mm. And I think a lot of that is down to Nick Castle, who John Carpenter's friend, fellow student at USC, went on to play Michael Myers in Halloween. And he basically controls that beach ball, its basic movements. And it really works. Like, when it drums its nails on the ground, I was like, I like this beach ball. Do you not think anyone could have done that, like, tap nails on the floor? No. No? Nick Castle's a fucking legend.
2: (laughs) But what's important about the beach ball? Come Mm -hmm. with me on this journey. What's important about it? You're watching, you're literally watching the formation of Alien. Do you not find that fascinating? Oh, right, yeah.
3: Yeah, I do. When it hugs
2: his face.
3: Yes. So I watched that scene and I was like... This isn't funny. I did think it was tense. That whole bit where he's in the vents yeah. is complete Dallas in Alien. But Dan O'Bannon said afterwards, if I can't make them laugh, because no one laughed at yeah. that scene, I'll scare the shit out of them instead and wrote Alien. Yeah, yeah which he,
2: apart from anything else is a really cool thing <laughs> to yeah. say. He, he, call, he
5: calls that sequence Alien Upside Down. That's literally what he called it because uh, it's a human chasing an alien in Dark Star uh, and it's an alien chasing a human in Alien. But he just said he literally just switched them around and... Took out the laughs.
3: Um, I do like the whole the, the, the whole thing. So we've mentioned like we've mentioned Dan O'Bannon. We've mentioned the actors. We've mentioned John Carpenter and all these students from different fields within the film school all came together. And apparently there was a real communal atmosphere at USC where they all ate and drank together within the. Film building, but it's like it's weird because I went to Pixar and they now even in like this day and age operate on that same theory. Like the Steve Jobs building in Pixar, which is their main building. Wherever you work in the building, you all come together in this vast foyer yeah. and throw ideas around. You sit with people who you might not work with, and that's how they come up with some of these genius ideas by involving everyone from different walks. Who go, "Oh, this could be work good." I've got this I, idea. I no,
2: I've read about the Pixar building a lot, and I have found there are people that say it's quite sinister. Like enforced jollity and enforced community with people that you might not get on with. Well, it's It's,
3: it's, I'm just going to... Because you've been there. Because I've been there, yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, I have been there. Let me just put it so in terms that you will understand knowing me. Oh, go on, I'm interested. I walked in there and I'd been in there for about 10 seconds. I was looking at all their Oscars, which are in a glass case at the front door. And I was standing there and a guy went by inside, whizzed past on one of those metal scooters and I didn't immediately think twat. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you an idea of what a good feeling that place has. Because yeah, I was like, you
2: were enchanted. I was like,
3: I'm not going to call I him ask, a wanker. Is
2: it true that the toilets are really hard to find? Because didn't I read somewhere? Why? Well, you no. Know, have you been
3: mm-hmm. oh. a few times?
2: So, everyone's been apart from me. <laughs> All right, fine. But, but why
3: don't you talk about somewhere you've never been? <laughs> Tell us about the toilets, Vicky, that we've both used. <laughs> <laughs> the bar, There's secret bars oh. that are hard to find.
2: Oh, really? Yeah, oh. but
3: what about the toilet? <laughs> well, that, we've used, that, that we've both used and used both. I went in the women's.
2: I thought they were unisex.
3: No, no. Because one has. Uh, like, oh, do you know? I don't know what I read. It doesn't matter. One has Buzz, a silhouette of Buzz, or um, no, it's uh, Woody from Toy Story. On, and the other one has uh, the female cowboy <laughs> from Toy Story. Do you not too. know her name? Yeah, of course, Jessie. The there you go. Thanks. they have. They have. Oh God, I'm so tense. <laughs> so tense.
2: That's a rare moment, isn't it?
5: They have. They have like I think three bars there. Okay. And a couple of them are secret. One they can take any guest to, but a couple of them are secret. You like have to go through secret passages to get to them and only special guests are allowed to go there. And last time I was at Pixar, i everyone I interviewed, I asked them to, you know, tell anecdote stories about these bars and they all did. And then at the end of the day the PR for Pixar came over and said, Can you not use any of that, please? Is that right? Yeah, they didn't want it getting out that they had that people secret. have a drink at Pixar. <laughs> it's
2: like what this this makes you yeah, cooler. No. so you're talking to a British person. Yeah. <laughs>
5: but the sinister thing, I do I did talk to someone just in the canteen who who's like an animator there, and, and I was saying, Is it not weird? Do you feel like they're trying to keep you here twenty four seven? And that's yeah. why it's so perfect in terms of childcare and all that kind yeah. of thing. And he said, Yeah, it is a little bit yeah. like they they want you to be working as many hours of exactly. the day as they possibly can yeah. get out of you. And I did find that a little bit sinister yeah and was,
2: yeah we're talking about sticking it to the man a late capitalist system pays you for your hours and then you go home and that should be okay like offering childcare and stuff like that is laudable but if mm. it comes to the point where it's like why are you leaving because we're looking after your kids you can't go home yeah. that then just tip over into something quite sinister
3: <laughs> but they have a log flume so
2: <laughs> do they really <laughs> oh no don't <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't do
5: that <laughs> So are we going to be offering Vicky childcare for this podcast? Yeah, sure, I'll do it.
2: What are my children called? No, I'll tell you what, don't say their names. Actually not, no, no, cut that out, cut that out. Um,
3: because you don't know.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's too weird. Um, anyway,
5: enough of the Pixar podcast.
2: Yeah, God, sorry. <laughs> So, back to Star Where Wars. Were we? <laughs> yeah, obviously, it's a mark of how much you took my choices seriously that we've talked about Pixar for 25 <laughs>
3: minutes. <laughs> um, I like the fact that George Lucas um, quite openly borrowed the wonderful hyperdrive visuals mm-hmm. that they use in this movie for Star Wars because yep. you watch it and you go, that's Star Wars. And then you go, wait, Star Wars was three years later. Yeah,
2: exactly. He took that. He yep. borrowed that. This or, is like a it. training ground for a lot of the sci-fi uh, crew that you will come to love over the years.
5: And and Lucas also liked what they did with the computer screens in the movie and hired Dan O'Bannon to do the computer screens in Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. Um but he also told Dan O'Bannon that he thought the beach ball was shit. <laughs> yeah it looked shit. Yeah.
3: Okay, so influences, I did start watching it and go, oh it's Red Dwarf.
4: Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean you can't not you can't not think Red Dwarf, can mm. you? But apparently Doug, uh, Doug Naylor... Yeah,
2: he said it was. Yeah, he yeah, said... I,
3: yeah, because he, he, Red Dwarf started out as Dave Holland's Space a mm. radio thing, and he said that was completely influenced yeah. by Dark Star, which then went on to be Red Dwarf. Yes. I went on a bit of a, a Red Dwarf journey. Not that I was trying to avoid talking about Dark Star, but Pixar, have we done that? <laughs> Red Dwarf um, is... Uh, I, did, I didn't realise the character of Rimmer... Alfred Molina was originally cast. Alan Rickman auditioned for that role. What? So did Alfred mm. Molina. Alfred Molina was cast as it didn't really get the concept of the show, so left. And then Chris Berry got it. But Alfred Molina or oh, Alan Rickman?
2: That's amazing. And another link. <laughs> oh my god! I do know what I'm doing. Uh,
5: so we've we've established that George Lucas was an influence on this film, but Stanley Kubrick was the other big influence. Um, well, that's
2: what I was. That's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. the poster was like, "It's the spaced out Odyssey." Yeah. Mm because you've got to think about how soon this film was made after the uh, moon landings and that the space <laughs> race
3: the fake moon landings but go on <laughs> you we mean should... the ones that Stanley Kubrick shot in a studio
2: let's come back to that okay because um there's more there to be said on real. but the um the the space race has cost a lot of money and had to be sold to the american people um in a sort of the well the final frontier if you will so and also like very much um, something the the province of heroes like our men will go up into space and conquer a final frontier but the point is an astronaut will tell you that the perfect astronaut is not a hero it's not someone that tries to think in any maverick way or any radical way and also it's not even someone who fits a traditional hero um physicality the perfect astronaut is quite light quite slim and it just lets the computer get on with it, and is there to fix a computer basically, and to sit You just still. described
3: Alex. Yeah, I, but no, actually, quite the opposite. Because I couldn't. I've got very dense. I've got very dense, heavy bones. So do I, you? I can't do press ups, and there is no reason for that unless I have heavy bones. Because I've seen people do press ups, and I can't do them. So that must be because my bones wow. are sure, very yeah. dense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh my god! It must be that, and not like effort yeah. or
3: practice. No, it's or... dense bones.
2: Definitely. They're like
3: very like it's all very thick sort of can't marrow. Do
2: <laughs> I, I can't do you, press ups. That's I want to see you try bastard. one.
3: Stop doing the knife trick in the pub. I want to see you do ten press ups. <laughs> I can't because of my dense bones. <laughs> you could take some. Move. You could take some of my entire physicality, and they'd be able to do them because they have normal bones. Dense bones <laughs> can't do press ups. It's actually it's an actual thing. So, it's so a, stop le- laughing. It's a it's a legit thing. It's like it's know,
2: actually a medical thing. So,
3: well, well, yeah, I haven't had it checked, but I know it because you can tell. Um, Because I can't do (laughs) press-ups.
5: I I also could empathise with these guys a little bit because they've been been on this spacecraft for 20 years. The boredom set in, maybe even a bit of insanity, cabin fever. And there's a scene where they're telling the same stories. They realise they've been telling the same stories over and over again. And it reminded me of doing a podcast...
4: (laughs) Yeah. four episodes in
3: I'm already I've only got ten anecdotes I think I've done five of them already so I, I can normally tell a good anecdote but I've got dense bones um, very dense bones very
2: dense
3: very dense and what you can't hear listeners is that Alex
5: is doing a press up while he
3: says that <laughs>
2: that's why I'm laughing so much
3: <laughs> yeah sorry to go back to that point there are nice little bits of dialogue in this that make you go oh man this is so dull for them because they've been in space 20 years at the point of this movie he's but like, only age
5: three yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it no is, I, you know it's waiting for Godot in space isn't it in it some is. respects or it's kind of pintoresque in that it's just you know
2: don't pretend you just made that up
5: <sighs> well I wrote it down <laughs>
2: I know you wrote it down but <laughs> <laughs> if I found it out it must be quite easy to find <laughs>
5: out
1: Dark Star
0: Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com
1: slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.
3: So, Vicky, you gave me Galaxy Quest in which the cast of a Star Trek-like TV show are mistaken for real-life heroes by friendly aliens and go on a galactic mission to save them from an evil tyrant. In the far reaches of the galaxy... A civilization is under siege. They've searched
0: the universe for a leader. What they got. Never give up and never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. Galaxy Quest.
3: You are our last hope. I loved it. I mean, I'd seen it before not that long ago. In fact, I've seen it a few times. And what I'm going to open with is this is just a fantastic film. I laughed as much the first time I saw it as I laughed just the other night when I watched it again.
2: Oh, I don't agree. Oh. I, re- I think it's really, really good. But watching it second time round, I was surprised at some of the dialogue. Is some of the jokes are not great. Um, some of the jokes are repeated. But I, this is me. I, I still thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I was a massive Star Trek fan. Massive. Like I do think that I could pilot a spaceship through an asteroid belt. Being honest, because I've watched so much Star Trek on television.
5: Oh, what's your um, favorite Star Trek?
2: Uh, Next Generation. Mm. Uh, favourite episode? God, let me think.
5: Um, <laughs> What's your favourite episode?
2: Um, I I like, do you know the character Q?
5: Yeah. Yeah,
2: like anything. He's brilliant, good fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's so good. Do <laughs> you, you know what we're talking about? Yeah, the, the really it?
3: arrogant guy is like, hello, Picard. Yeah,
2: because he plays on the nature of God. And it like, I said in that like, episode one, it's like, there is no God. It was me. Sorry about that. Fucking
3: brilliant. Yeah. You know, doesn't like, or at least didn't like Galaxy Quest. No. Jean-Luc Picard I himself. Know, it's
2: such a shame. But Patrick then he, Stewart, yeah. But then he did like it. He so did,
3: because Jonathan, he was like, I do not like this. It's taking the piss out of the next generation. Good and impression, then, very <laughs> good. And then Jonathan Frakes, his number one, where, you got to go see it, it's brilliant. Not as good an impression. And watched <laughs> it and went, it's brilliant. It's truly brilliant wonderful
2: I was watching Star Trek at a time well I used to watch it with my friend and this is a test to see if she's listening because it's a time of like burgeoning (laughs) sexual awareness um, for teenage girls but this proves like how awkward we were Um, she really fancied Commander Riker but she she couldn't formulate that because we were too young to really be able to articulate that in any sort of Meaningful way or funny way or whatever. So she just used to call him Commander Sex. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Wait, can I ask? Was this bearded Riker? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. when he, it's honestly, yeah, that man transformed for me mm. when he grew that beard. It's he went from looking like a sort of fresh-faced frat boy kind yeah. of like thing to this very, very like rugged, man. heroic. Like, <laughs> did you yeah. want to? Did you want to fake him?
2: <laughs> she definitely did.
3: Yeah, um, my first erotic experience was watching uh, Battle of the Planets, where a cartoon character flips over the wing of the spaceship, and you see a knickers. <laughs> I. Was That's why so... you can't do push-ups. There's Five a... years old. <laughs> is... It's all connected.
2: It's so innocent. That's the. Thing.
3: At least not with my arms. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, oh wow. God! Oh. oh my God! Oh. There's an image. Delete. 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 There's an image. Galaxy Quest, then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, a fascinating story behind uh, this movie in terms of the fact that it was written as a spec script by a guy called David Howard, and he wrote something called Captain Sunshine, which was slightly different, still involved a crew from a TV show being mistaken for the real thing. But it started off with a very successful sci-fi writer building a Stargate that allowed him to travel to an alien world where he becomes a despot like Ming the Merciless and enslaves these people and the people then go we need the crew of the Galaxy Quest or whatever it was called but that was the original script and Robert Gordon who did Men in Black 2 and Lemony Snicket scripts came on board and he was like I'm going to rework it into what it is now Harold Ramis was going to direct it he wanted Alec Baldwin in the Tim Allen role and Alec Baldwin himself says he was offered it and then unoffered it but apparently he didn't want to do it no one's quite sure he didn't do it Kevin Klein didn't do it Steve Martin didn't do it and then Dreamworks the studio went we want Tim Allen Harold Ramis disagreed with that, so he left, which is where Dean Parasot comes on board. But the one thing is that Harold Ramis, he afterwards said, I saw it with Tim Allen. I was kind of wrong. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. So that's the backstory to how it became what it became. So that new screenplay, um,
5: though, wasn't it just a combination of Three Amigos and that SNL sketch with William Shatner saying, Get a life to the fans. Because obviously, Three Amigos is a big influence on this storyline in terms of. For sure. You know, a group of people thinking actors are the characters they
3: play and then hiring them to save them. I like the fact that it was never meant to be a PG movie initially. It was meant to be a PG 13 and it wasn't a family film. And the script that. uh, Robert Gordon turned in involved like when the spaceship lands at the convention centre at the end lots of people being decapitated (laughs) and there's a bit where you know how Alan Rickman's character who's brilliant in this Mm. and he's an alien and he gets served the food and it's the bugs apparently there was a deleted scene where he was shown his quarters and his bed involved a lot of sharp objects around the anal area (laughs) There was also the <laughs> wonderful line that Dean Parasot, the director, never shot coverage for, so they had to dub it, where it's the chompers scene where the crushing things are oh, yeah. in the corridor. And Sigourney Weaver clearly goes, fuck that. <laughs> yes. then, you can't miss it, can it's you? It's so obvious. Yeah. So they changed it to, well, screw that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what happens in Galaxy Quest? So yeah, Tim Allen basically plays William Shatner. Although by his account, he based his performance on Yul Brynner in the Ten Commandments, not William Shatner. Uh, it's Shatner, and he I thought it was to... quite. I thought it was quite Buzz Lightyear as well, though. Yeah, but this quite, predates uh, it, though, obviously. But he it, went... it doesn't predate Toy Story. Oh shit, does? No,
5: I felt like that, like part of the reason to cast him is oh, be that arrogant idiot again. Yeah. He. Uh, th- I don't. Did you see the twentieth anniversary e fake document uh, documentary they made? I watched some of it. Yeah, I It's never quite saw. painful to watch, but he doesn't come across very well in that. If that's it, because that was shot while he was on set. If if that is him, yeah, I wouldn't want to hang out with Tim Allen.
2: You wouldn't want to hang out with a man who, after a drinking binge, keeps his socks on but takes his pants off. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> so that is such a good point. So early no, on but in but this. But yeah, no, it's an American pants. It's trousers. No, he's... He's got no knickers on. Yeah. Does he say
2: knickers? Does <laughs> knickers? That make you understand what? what I'm talking about? <laughs> Was he wearing knickers?
3: No, he's not wearing knickers. <laughs> i missed a lot. i missed a lot in this film. <laughs> he's not wearing anything. He's, com- he's completely nude mm-hmm. uh, for his bottom half when the Thermians turn up at his flat to recruit him for the mission to get Cyrus Cyrus... Saris. Saris, Saris. How do we know he's new down there? Because he
2: says, "I'm really sorry, I put something on."
3: No, he said, "I put some pants on." Yeah, so but he's the... wearing boxes. Yeah, but there's a no, weird bit tell. where he bends over to retrieve oh, a yeah! shoe from under the <laughs> yeah! bed, and he sees dick. <laughs> <laughs> but they see his tall time. The way <laughs> the way they, the way the aliens like look at him. The whole suggestion is he is naked, and they right. can see. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> and I see everything. So that happens. Um, but there is, like, I agree with you how weird that moment is. Because I think if you are a, a guy and you ever find yourself naked <laughs> from the waist down, but wearing a t shirt, mm. you feel weird.
2: Especially if you've got your socks on.
3: Especially if you've got your socks on. But either way, it's just like
2: a
5: t
3: shirt with no pants. If you go what, for an examination, what
5: if you wanted to sleep like that every night? No
3: uh are you, wrong no i think it's odd. good job i don't then <laughs> glad, glad, glad i didn't say that <laughs>
2: you won't have thought of this but when you go for a smear test they're obviously like take everything off and you're always stood there thinking does does she mean my socks as well because is it weird <laughs> if i'm wearing nothing but i it's like it'd be a bit intimate if i took my socks off
3: <laughs> and so what do you do
2: <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> i keep my socks on okay wait.
3: I think Sam Rockwell's really good at this film.
2: <laughs> if you spoke to your girlfriends, honestly, they would say the same thing. I bet they would. I bet they
5: would.
3: Um, never going to have that conversation, though. <laughs>
2: it's, 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 it's
3: weird. But if, if um, darling, if you do want to speak to me about it, it's show at clashpod.com. Show at clashpod.com. <laughs> just, just, just tweet the three of us.
2: Or just text me.
3: <laughs> um so I, I I mean that, though. Sam Rockwell he is... He is the best
2: thing in it, which I think is a brilliant reversal of the red shirt um, expectation. He's possibly the best thing in it on purpose. He gets the best lines. Yeah. Um, and his performance <laughs> is very good
3: as well. I just... I was cracking up. That bit where they land on the alien planet in the shuttle and uh, Tony Shalhoub opens the door and Sam Rockwell goes... Don't open that! It's an alien planet. Is there air? <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, it's
2: true. <laughs> I like it when Sigourney movie sees the little child in and she's like, let's get out of here before one of them eats Sam Rockwell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, although she doesn't say Sam
5: Rockwell. No, she doesn't. No, because I love his name. (laughs) name, I like the fact his name is Guy as well. No
3: one can remember his last name and he's literally just called Guy. She says, she actually says, let's get out of here before one of those things kills Guy. And that is, um, the writer uh, goes, that is my, he does say, I know it's a little bit arrogant, but I will say when I wrote that line, I was like, that's a fucking show. Yeah, it's the best line know. in the film. Yeah, it's the it's best good. line in the film. It's a great definitely.
2: line. But then there are some bad lines. Like she gets a line that's um, when they, she can't believe what's happening, that they've met aliens and what's expected of them to save this alien race. And she's like, we're actors, not astronauts. It's like, who's that line for? <laughs> like, that's been very well established by halfway through the film. <laughs>
5: hmm. um, so Rockwell was your favourite a in the film
2: stone. no Sigourney, Weaver's my Sigourney Weaver is my
5: favourite oh and I like Alan Rickman so we all had a different Yeah, thing for it. I
2: read and I don't believe this um, Wikipedia I don't know if you've heard of it Wikipedia entry go on um, the, the filmmakers didn't want um, they wanted uh, what they called science fiction virgins for the part of Gwen DeMarco which is Sigourney Weaver's part and I she, believe that. She said. She, I don't believe it. I, in the words of Catherine O'Hara in Shits Creek, surely Sigourney Weaver is offer only. She's not auditioning for anything. Why would she <laughs> be auditioning for something at this point in her career?
3: Oh, that's a good point, actually. I didn't think of that.
2: Um obviously the skewing of women in sci-fi and, and particularly uh, what she's done as Ripley, fantastic. But I wasn't, I still wasn't happy, although I understand its place, with the gradual removal of her top. I don't think there's any... You might not have noticed. Maybe you... Uh,
5: we but, are boys. We definitely I noticed I just don't that. think
2: it's necessary. It isn't necessary. You can talk about it. You could do it once. You could put her top back on. There's no need for her to be in a... It's the 90s, so a wonder bra by the end of the... But the
3: whole point is that is... It doesn't matter. I'm sure they're like satirising the fact that that happens to female characters in shows well, what, like But this. if that's
2: goddamn Sigourney Weaver, she would be like, I will put my top back on now, please.
3: Well, yeah, but also she's goddamn joke. Sigourney Weaver who went... That's funny, I'm going to do it. Well, what well, doesn't help
5: is uh, there was a deleted scene that explains why her top is becoming like that. Yes. Okay. So the aliens come for her, and I think she's with Tony Shalhoub at the time. and she, No, she's with Tim Allen. She's with Tim Allen. She starts flirting with them, and she walks over to them and literally unzips her top like that. Exposing and, her bra. And <laughs> then as they come towards her, or she comes towards them, she, she hits a thing and the door shuts on the two aliens. Yeah. And so there's a reason why she's showing more bra. But because that's cut, it's, it's really far too random that it's just like, oh, we're
3: going to sexualise her now.
2: She's got a fantastic wig.
3: She actually said that she transformed, she felt she transformed into a completely different person when she put that wig on. Yeah, it
2: is an amazing And they went these. to
3: a screening of the 20th anniversary of Alien with the cast and she kept the wig on. She was like, I fucking love this wig. <laughs> I'm keeping it on. And as a, as, a, as a man who occasionally wears a blonde wig, it is life-changing. Let me tell you, if you ever want to experience the world in a different way... Stick a blonde wig on, we were, we were, unless you're blonde already. In which case, you know, well we, done. Were, we were with Alex in a blonde wig recently. How
5: did you? How did it make you feel, Vicky?
2: I told you how it made me feel. It made me feel extremely disconcerted. <laughs> it was a really good experience for me. <laughs> like, I just, I'm very rarely lost for words, and I was struck dumb for like, easily, sort of, a long ten minutes.
5: And he had lovely legs as well.
2: Yeah, annoy him. Really annoy him.
5: Very lovely legs. Um, Unlike his arms, which I'm can't in the push room. his body up. <laughs> <laughs> you're This is way. what it
2: feels like to have people
3: talk about you when you're in the room
2: anyway. <laughs>
3: okay. uh, Alan Rickman?
2: Alan Rickman's fantastic. When he does that, the, what's the hammer line by...
3: By Grabthar's yeah. hammer. <laughs> so he,
2: the setup is brilliant. The rule of three, like he won't do the line, he won't do the line, he won't do the line. And then when his alien friend is dying, mm. he does the line. And that, that brought a tear to my
3: eye. <laughs>
5: yeah. So he's kind good. of doing two things with this role, isn't he? He's, he's, he's playing Spock. He's playing Leonard Nimoy, who kind of resented the fact that he could only ever play Spock once he once he played that character in the first place. But he's also playing Alexander Dane, mm. the the British thespian. But um, he said that he had. He said there were constant images and moments where I thought I've lived this. But yet he's not really pompous. It's kind of sad, isn't it, when he's doing that car advert or that that <laughs> oh by Grabzar's
3: hammer. What a saving. <laughs> yeah. um, I do like the fact that George Takai, uh, Sulu from Star Trek, refers to this movie as a chillingly realistic <laughs> documentary. <laughs> I mean, I, I started
5: off when I was watching it, making making a note of all the Star Trek jokes in it, and then I stopped halfway through because there's just so many. It's non-stop, isn't it, really? So is, this, is it a bit... Uh, rude to sci-fi fans who go to conventions this film I guess what I was referring to specifically is the idea that Justin Long's character seems to want to believe that it's all real yeah. and then he tells him it isn't and then tells him it isn't immediately he believes it and I'm thinking are they saying that these fans are really that stupid I don't know any sci-fi fan I know the most hardcore fan still doesn't think any of it's actually real
2: space travel's real yeah 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 but Star Trek isn't could be
5: Have you been to a Comic-Con?
2: No, I haven't. And I will not.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Why? But what if your children desperately want to go?
2: Do you think they will? Yeah, Yeah, they're into Hulk and stuff. So I will wait until they're old enough to go by themselves. And they can go by themselves.
3: Okay. Alex, have you... Um, I have not ever been to uh, a Comic-Con. No, no. Which is, uh, considering how much I like to dress up, uh, is kind of weird. And what your job is, your day job. Yeah. I've been to D23.
5: Yeah, okay. So that's not far off. I mean, they are very, very... I mean, the San Diego one
2: is the big one. I tell you, one of the nicest, the sweetest things I ever saw was two, a couple, sitting outside the Birmingham... Birmingham. The Bournemouth NEC, dressed as the Joker and Harlequin... And they were just the cutest, youngest couple. And they were just getting off with each other, just so passionate, just having a break from the comic convention thing that was happening inside the, um, the exhibition centre. And I was like, that, that was really sweet. Like, that warmed my heart. I don't want to be inside that building, but it was nice to see. Yeah,
5: hot and sweaty. And, and that scene um, where Tim Allen's in the toilet, it is funny when you go to the loo and everyone is dressed up in all their costumes and everyone's trying to get in and out of them to have a wee. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, yeah. I've seen some weird things in toilets there. Really, and Bill Murray. <laughs> I had a brief chat with Bill Murray just after we'd left
3: the toilet. I waited until we were outside the bathroom. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's polite. Cause yeah, I think it would have been. It's very uncomfortable <laughs> when people start talking to you in a, a, a toilet. Yeah, it's while, weird. You know, while if you are weeing. Well, yeah, while you are weeing. I mean, I, I've had it where I've gone up to people who are weeing and tried to talk to them. <laughs> uh, it's
2: Murray- different. It's different in the girls' toilets. There's a pub in Manchester where they've put sofas in the girls' toilets because we just like to sit in. Oh, don't. Um, Bill Murray, though. Wait, wait,
3: wait. They've put sofas. Mm. What are they made of? Fabric.
2: But the, it's a very large bathroom. There's a reason why. No, because it's like a powder room within the toilet.
3: So wait, there's a, are you saying there's a second door to get from the sofa area into the actual no, urine? No, there's not.
2: There's a good well, point. There's not, actually. You
3: see, the, re- the reason is it's all wipe clean surfaces. Like, no one has fabric. It's like why we don't have carpets and toilets anymore.
2: Not anymore, no. no.
3: I mean, I grew up in a house with a carpet mm, toilet. And it was... Chris, oh. <laughs> was, sorry, I was there, was there. A, there was a moment there. You <laughs> were like, "You're like, Grr!
5: I thought it was something, and then it was wrong." Didn't oh man! <laughs> Bill Murray asked me where I was from, and I said London, and he said, "Never heard of it," and walked <laughs> off. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. That's
3: good. It's good. Um, but yeah. So I, I honestly, I would not sit on that sofa. That's disgusting. V.
2: Well, I, I've spent a lot of time in there. On the sofa? Yeah, just having a chat with anyone. (laughs) Honestly, if that pub had any sense, they'd put like a dumb waiter in so you could get your drink straight up to the bathroom (laughs) because it interrupts the conversation. Women
5: are weird. (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> really, really, and also not weird. to be
2: this, but uh, they are a lot cleaner than the boys' toilets.
3: That is true. We
2: need to get out the boy. Why are you in the boys' toilets so much? Checking out. I've just been told by other men like how gross they are in
3: yeah, there. They are. God, you could make a fortune selling waders outside men's <laughs> toilets. <It's> just... <laughs> yeah. mm. Anyway, back to Galaxy Quest. <laughs> oh yeah, ship uh, <laughs> voted voted at a 2013 Star Trek convention as the seventh greatest Star Trek movie in history. <laughs> the one that came in 12th was Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, I know everyone's. Well, Wrath of Khan is the best. I know I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but Voyage Home is my number yeah, one. Yeah,
2: that's what yeah, I like it's as great. Well. Yeah. yeah, It's a great okay. film.
3: Okay, good. I'm not in trouble then. Thanks, Chris. Um, But we never. But yet we never got a
5: sequel to this one. And it feels like it was just really perfectly set up to. I would have happily spent more
3: time with these characters. The problem was that it wasn't a huge success. Yeah. It, didn't, it did moderately well, but it wasn't the hit that it should have and could have been. It could have done... I think they were expecting Ghostbusters kind of numbers, mm. and it has that vibe about it. i tell you what they were expecting is Men
5: in Black numbers because the script got sent out. Uh, he said he got lucky. He sent out the script two days after Men in Black opened. So that's why it sold, because the specs, scripts didn't really sell at that time, but off the back of that, they thought, well, we need our Men in Black. I didn't um, know
2: that. Didn't know that. I which know did they...
5: spawn sequels because it made a shit tonne of money. And this, I mean, did you guys see it at the cinema? I, I'm pretty sure I watched it on video. Yeah.
2: Oh, I can't remember. Yeah.
5: Which means you probably, I, I feel like
3: a lot of people caught up with it on video. Yeah. Um. But that's why it's gone on to become like this cult classic. Like yeah. Dark Star, I guess there's a connection there as well. Both of these were slow burners. Thank you. Oh, great connection. Thanks.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Tell you what, when you're editing it, just yeah. put that in at the beginning.
3: <laughs> Shall I? <laughs> It's just It felt, felt concise. It felt
2: natural, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. It felt like someone
3: who thought about it. It felt snappy.
5: <laughs> there, were, there was a comic sequel called Galaxy Quest Global Warming and there was going to be an Amazon sequel. I think it's still bubbling away. It was it's... Two, two years ago,
3: I think, was the last right. time that there were any quotes on it. But so. it's not totally off the table, I don't think. No, and, that... and apparently sci-fi on the small screen is huge at the moment and... Um, Event Horizon yeah. is being... I did not know that until you sent me that this morning. It's been turned into a TV series. It's the best news you've ever had. <laughs> it's so exciting. And do you know the connection between Galaxy Quest and Event Horizon? The Chompers scene where the big oh. metal things are smashing together <laughs> mm-hmm. wasn't based on an old episode of Star Trek or anything. It was based on the Whirring Blade corridor from Event Horizon. So and Event you... Horizon was before Galaxy Quest? Yeah, wow.
5: 1997. Yeah. No. And when was Galaxy Quest? 1999.
2: 1999.
3: Oh, wow.
5: Um, and all that stuff would have been a great film to pair Galaxy down. Quest with.
2: Stop doing this! <laughs> I saw that nervous look. You should look fucking nervous. Okay, do you want to
3: stop it? <laughs> Did you actually see it? Yeah, look side yeah, eye. A shot you, out. Flick you the eyes going, how's she going to react? What's
2: she going to do? Is this,
3: is this still fun or has this become real? <laughs> you yeah, know, you scoot around here. Scoot around here. Keep scooting. Keep scooting. There's
2: nothing to be scared of.
3: Yeah. Um so, I, I, look, I, I, I genuinely I love this movie. Awesome. I was surprised at the lack of Star Wars jokes in it as well
2: but it's a Star Trek parody, yeah, it's a, so sure but, cool. but
3: but you can chuck in I think a Star Wars but Space on, you balls, you want... Spaceballs balls have done that to death already there's you know quite, you...
5: Quite not very well as well
3: I think uh, with Spaceballs Ludicrous speed go <laughs> he's well happy with that <laughs> when will then be now <laughs> soon <laughs> come on Spaceballs Chris get on board with this <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Oh, that's no. the kind of combination an idiot would have on his luggage. I wish I had one, two, three, that. four, five. That's the combination I have on my luggage. <laughs> I'm glad
5: there were no Star Wars jokes in this film. <laughs> um, I thought. I also think it's interesting the the, act, the actors. Are you in... idiots! Oh, no, no. You've
3: captured their
5: stunt doubles. All right, it's getting hot in here again. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. What were you
3: going to say? Sorry. No, it was boring. No, Come go on. on. No, is it as boring as just quoting Spaceballs? <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, what
5: elevates this as well is that the actors in this are better than the actors in Star Trek.
2: Oh, now then, now then. Uh, there are... <laughs> <laughs>
3: For a start. Uh, I've heard that catchphrase before. Where?
2: For a start? What's the,
3: what's the, now then, now then. Oh, Vicky, get a new catchphrase. Jesus.
2: <laughs> um, Patrick Goddamn Stewart is in um, Star Trek. Have so- you
5: ever seen? Uh, <laughs> have you ever seen his Moby Dick? What? Have you ever seen his Moby Dick? Nope. He's not. He's not always the best actor. What? Yeah. Really? What's oh, it's Moby y- Dick. Um, it's Moby Dick's
3: a film. He's in a film called Moby Dick. Yeah, I've do never you know even... it.
2: Do you know it's a book? <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask.
3: <laughs> I thought it was some sex tape featuring an oh. electronic musician. All well, I'll say is Patrick Stewart isn't always good. I don't believe that. Um, yeah, I don't believe that either. Show me Moby Dick. All right, it's coming up on a future, future clash. Who Excellent. else is
2: good inside? Well, I see it. I'm mostly focused on The Next Generation because that's the one that I've watched all of.
3: Uh, Brett Spinner. Spiner. Yes. Um, I mean, Potato Potato, although, yes, that's his name.
2: He is good. Yes, he is good. I once
3: had dinner with him. Did you? Yeah. uh, Oh, my
2: God, that's massive. How have you
3: waited until this point to bring that up? Because we're not doing a Star Trek. I I, I was listening to smear test descriptions. (laughs) I'd rather be listening to dinner with Brett Spinner Spiner.
5: It wasn't very interesting. He's he's very pleased with himself. (laughs) Um... Well, yeah, the, and that was it. He the talks, end. Talks about, yeah, he talked about himself all night. He was he was vaguely entertaining, but, he, you know. Well, he's...
2: did he come round to your house?
5: No, um, this was a, a, it was some kind of Star what? Trek launch. What did he eat? Just what we brought around. I think it was chicken and potatoes. Oh, okay.
3: Chicken um, and potatoes? I would say I'm he... writing that down. Right? He is uh, the best thing. Sorry, he's, I just, before we move on to anything uh, <laughs> else, um, before anyone else can speak. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, that was, that was the intention. Yeah, shut up. Um, <laughs> No, uh, he's very good. Uh, No, he's not. I was about to say he's very good in something that he's not good in. It's fine. I was going to talk about Master of Disguise, the Dana Carvey comedy in which he plays the villain. Turtle, turtle, (laughs) turtle, turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, if you haven't seen Master of Disguise... Don't. The big clue as to why it's not very good is uh, the lead character. No. do watch it because it might be coming up on a future show. <laughs> <laughs> his character's name is Pistachio Disguisio, <laughs> But Brett Spiner slash Spinner is in it and his his uh, uh, affectation as the villain is that every time he laughs, he farts. Oh, no. Oh, for God's sake. I Have you, I don't have you not seen it? Have you just seen the turtle bit on YouTube? No, I've, I saw I yeah. saw Disguiseo. There is one funny joke in it when he does Robert Shaw in Jaws. That's funny, but that's it. Anyway. Sorry, Vicky, you were going to say something.
2: It's not important. Um, is I was it? gonna uh, it sounds a little bit better than your story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that in the Star Trek The Next Generation, the young Wesley Crusher, Will Wheaton, he's a good actor. He is. Back to circling back to what we were trying is to Is he? Yeah, of course he is.
5: Well, Stand the By Mo- Me. He's great in Stand By Me. Yes. He is good in Stand By Me. Yeah. Isn't he the most like, hated character in, in Star Trek history and isn't well, part a, of that because of the pro- way he's just kind of an annoying presence?
2: He's not an annoying presence. He's a child prodigy. He's a genius. He can fly a fucking spaceship. He's about 12 years old.
5: Yeah. They had to write him out of the show, though, because he was so unpopular.
2: Really? Yes. Is that why? Yeah, yeah they, it-
5: that character was hated.
3: There's oh. a, there was a huge fan backlash, which is why, going back to Galaxy Quest... He wanted to be cast in Galaxy Quest. He loved it, and he wanted to be cast as an annoyed fan who had a real issue with the fact that there was a kid piloting the spacecraft (laughs) in Galaxy Quest.
5: Lieutenant Laredo. Thank you, Chris.
3: Um, All right, then. Well, that's Galaxy Quest and Dark Star. Time to decide which of these is the winner in this week's Clash of the Titles. Chris, would you like to start? Yes, I would. Uh, oh, Vicky, actually, is there anything you want to add before we come to the adjudication? No. You sure? Yes. You want to jump in with anything? No. Anything? Do you, uh, well, come, you, you obviously get to cast a vote at the end, but first let's Oh, run.
2: thank you for confirming that. Yeah.
3: Just to, just, I'm explaining the rules to myself. That ha- I have my suffrage. Right. <laughs> I nearly didn't get a vote last week. That's true. I had to
5: force it through, <laughs> you as did. It, so to speak. Um, okay. So
3: (laughs) (laughs) your face. Why did he
5: use that term? Force it through. (laughs) I I didn't like Dark Star when I was twelve, and I still don't really like Dark Star. If I'm going to be brutally honest, I feel like it's it's less a movie and more a series of vignettes. And I think there's a quote from Dan O'Bannon about this, uh, saying that it was the world's most impressive student film and became the least impressive professional film. While that's a bit harsh. I didn't love it, so I, it's Galaxy Quest for me because I just think it's such a it's such a clever, smart script. I think so much thought's gone into it. I love the the, the journey that all the characters get to go on. I think I think that's really well written, and I just love the fact that it's not mean spirited. It's such an affectionate parody that it really put a smile on my face at the end of the film. So for that reason, and because it's an actual film, I'm going with <laughs> Galaxy Quest.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I love the fact that. Uh, for want of a better description, Dark Star exists as a historical uh, historical document. <laughs> Very good. Um, nice. So it is. It's a time capsule and it's a fascinating piece of film history and what John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon went on to do afterwards and the story behind the making of it and what they did as students is fascinating. But as a movie and just for the sheer joy you get from spending an hour and a half watching something on a screen... Galaxy Quest wins it for me. I think it's brilliant and I'm in love with Sam Rockwell. Vicky?
2: Thank you. Um, So, well, both films made me laugh out loud, but it depends what you think sci-fi is for or what you think sci-fi is best at. So the themes in Galaxy Quest would be looking inwards. It's about like friendship, camaraderie, what is good leadership. And the themes in Dark Star are very much looking outwards. So the uh, fallibility, the improbability of existence of anything at all. And to do that for $60,000, I think is incredible. And so for that reason, I'm picking Dark Star.
3: Okay. So it's 2-1. 2-1 to Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest is the victor in this week's Clash of the Titles. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> time Home of a Dark Star is a very close second place. It's not a KO this week. It's a points win. Is that a boxing term? I don't know. I've taken this <laughs> boxing analogy too far. Let's move on to next week's show. Can
5: I just quickly jump in sure. with a tweet we received? What just now? From No, uh, from last week, but I didn't get a chance to say it last week. It was when I was looking at my phone when you were speaking. You've been holding a grudge all
2: week. No, no, I wasn't (laughs) going to say it.
5: You just asked the question. Um, It's from Professor Cade. And he said, please tell me you are going to take user submissions for a triple threat every 10 episodes or so. Mm. So he's asking if people write in with three films somehow connected, will we do that? I think that's something we should maybe think about. I mean, you should check about. with
2: Alex because um, really it's up to him. So <laughs> he'll say yes in the room, but then <laughs> this person should just tweet him in the pub later and then just see what sort of response that elicits, okay. which yeah, is sh-
3: sort of what happened to me. So uh, Professor K, if you want to DM me, we'll, um, <laughs> we'll discuss it and uh, we'll go from there. It will be extra work for us though. So there is that. I like, I like it. I think, you know, I think it's great. Maybe we'll do that for a Halloween special, yeah? Okay. Sounds good. Great stuff. In the meantime, it's my pick for the next episode. Uh, here are the movies I'm doing. I won't tell you the connection, just the movies. You can go away and work them out. It's really easy. Uh, the movies are Anaconda, <laughs> starring J Lo and John Voigt and Ice Cube.
2: <laughs> Enjoy that, Vicky. Of course. Yeah. All right, perfect. And, uh,
5: good, because my Anaconda don't want none. Is that a Nicki Minaj thing? Baby
3: got back by mix a lot. Right, right, right.
2: Yep. Okay.
3: Cool. I'm just really pleased I got to say Nicki Minaj for the first time in my life.
2: Oh, that's taking years <laughs> off you. <laughs>
3: um, I am giving you... A Deep Blue Sea Oh, (laughs) Anaconda versus Deep Blue Sea Oh lovely What is the connection Any thoughts on the movies We covered this week Dark Star and Galaxy Quest Any thoughts on any Upcoming movies You'd like us to put Head to head Do get in touch with us At the following places Chris Yeah that's great What are they It is (laughs) Let
5: me find it Because we changed The email address And I couldn't remember it It's show at
3: clashpod.com Or at clashpod on twitter Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us if you would be so kind at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you in a week.
1: This
4: was a Stakhanov production.